Life Audio. Vengeance is our topic for today. And it's not something I would normally gravitate to, except we're going through each of the Psalms. And vengeance is is a topic that David talks about. And I think for me, what I get from this passage is leaning into the hope that we have in knowing that God is a just God. Because to be perfectly honest, there's wickedness and evil in this world that we just don't understand. And while we don't understand, we do know some things about God. We understand that he is just and he is faithful. And so we can have this hope of knowing that even if we can't deal with it in this lifetime, God can. And I think that gives us a little bit of freedom over some of those situations. So I pray that this is a blessing for you, this episode. After a quick word from our sponsor, we'll dive into today's episode together. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are reading through Psalm 58. Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge uprightly among men? No, in your heart you devise injustice, and your hands mete out violence on the earth. Even from birth the wicked go astray, from the womb they are wayward and speak lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of their charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows be blunted. Like a slug melting away as it moves along. Like a stillborn child, may they not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether they be green or dry, the wicked will be swept away. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. The men will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. Now, this psalm can sound pretty harsh, especially if we're looking at it solo. Hopefully you've been studying along with us throughout the psalms up until this point. This is a psalm of David, and the notation that we have on this psalm is that it is sung to the tune of Do Not Destroy, which is interesting because it is a psalm that's looking forward to when the righteous will be avenged. And so the do not destroy is talking about the righteous, the the plea for the righteous not to be destroyed, which may seem kind of contrary to some of the verbiage, but it's with this understanding of looking forward to the day that God avenges his people. And so it does sound harsh, but remember, David was a warrior. David has been 
in battle for quite some time or he has been fleeing Saul who wants to kill him. And so there is an intensity about David that we see here in the scriptures. But when it's talking throughout this psalm about the righteous being glad when they're avenged, we have to understand that this is more than just David's situation. This is talking about the joy and the satisfaction that God's people as believers, us, that we're going to experience when evil itself is defeated. And so at that point, God will judge and make everything right. And so followers of Christ, of Jesus, really should be praying for and looking forward to this time when all evil will be removed from the earth and God's kingdom and the new heaven and the earth will be established. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's referring to some passages in Revelations, which we will eventually get to. But but I want to kind of just pause here at Psalm 58 and point out a couple things. There's a lot of metaphor language that might be lost on us just because we're, we're removed from that culture. So the first is verse four. It says their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears. Now, remember, these are people that are literally out to kill David. That's who he's referring to when he's talking about the wicked. And so this metaphor about the cobra with the stopped ears, well, what does that mean? It's it's an attempt to equate the wicked person or the fool or the people that are pursuing him who essentially will not listen to God with a cobra. And that is language that's very common to the ancient Near Eastern world. That was something just like the lions, the cobras were something that was very familiar to them. And so the original audience, the hearers of this this uh, psalm, would have understood what exactly we're saying. Basically, it's talking about a cobra who would pay no attention to a snake charmer. And, you know, this by the snake charmers, you know, you see on TV where they're playing the little pipe or flute or whatever it is. And as they're playing that, it draws in the, the cobra and... Uh, it's charmed by that music. And so he's talking about how the wicked are kind of like a snake who's not paying attention to the snake charmer. And it's this idea of causing pain and suffering by unreasonable behavior. It's talking about un the unreasonable behavior. The cobra, it's almost powerless to not listen to the snake charmer, but yet he's, he's equating these people that are not listening to God being in this stubborn wickedness. And Although snakes don't have hands to cover their ears, they have uh, an internal organ. The issue here is talking about unnatural or even perverse actions. It's an unnatural action for the cobra not to listen to the snake charmer, just like it's an unnatural action for these people not to listen to God, despite everything that he has done to show himself faithful and the God above all gods. And so it's kind of going along the lines of, some other ancient Near Eastern practices or ideas or metaphors that talks about the instruction of a fool who just won't listen anytime you attempt to teach him something. And so there's a lot of that kind of teaching in the ancient Near East, and that's essentially what David is pointing towards in this verse. And then again in verse 5, it says, That will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Again, it's talking about the snake charmer. The profession of the snake charmer would have involved an intimate knowledge of how the cobra or the serpent's behavior pattern was. And, and so there's an admonition there that could have found its way in from 
other metaphors from that time. But essentially, basically what it's saying, and I think David is taking from some other common knowledge or common sayings that they had. Like, I I feel like for us, we have common sayings that we say in, in our culture. That's pretty much what we see David talking about. It's a, it's a common verbiage that, that he's referring to about, about stubbornness really. And, um, just the unnatural, unreasonable refusal, outright refusal to listen to God. And so in the ancient Mesopotamian world, in the Egyptian world, they would have recognized that the snake charmer would have been really, really skilled at knowing how to get the serpent's attention. And it's not like the cartoonish thing you might be thinking of that you've seen on TV as a kid. This was a role in that culture that was really important because snakes were very, very feared. They they were known to cause death and bring harm to people. And so bringing in the snake charmer was a way to deal with an extreme danger. And the fact that this the he's equating these wicked people to not even listening to as a snake, not even listening to a snake charmer, he's basically saying like, they're not listening to anybody. And there's a danger here. There's a danger, not just for me, but as our culture, there's a danger here when when these guys are not listening to even God. Because of that concept, this is seen as a community lament, a community complaint to God about the wickedness of man. And there's an allusion back to Genesis 3 when it's talking about the snake. And and what does the snake represent? Well, the snake represents evil. It represents the fall. It represents sin. It represents uh, the enemy's work within the world. And what David is doing is he's calling forth this imagery, reminding us of the wickedness of man and pointing us forward to the day that God will extinguish evil from the earth. And I think sometimes we don't put two and two together because Genesis is kind of far away from Psalms in your Bible. But you have to remember the context with which David was saying this. It was with this understanding of the the serpent representing evil. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue discussing the rest of this episode together. Stay tuned. Also, what we'll see in this psalm, and we're not going to get into all of them because it's pretty lengthy to do that, but there are several curses that we see in this psalm, and this is known as one of the imprecatory psalms. We talked about this during book one of the psalms, imprecatory meaning curse. And so this psalm contains seven curses. It's kind of a condensed form of them that are providing a window into the ancient world. So the first is basically that the cobra cannot be charmed because it has stopped up its ears. The second is that the wicked are compared to the teeth of lions. And David is praying that God will break their teeth in their mouths. So that's another one. Another part of that. Third is that the wicked are like the water that flows away. And fourth, they are the wicked that are warriors who are drawing their bow. And David's prayer is that the arrows will fall short of the target. Fifth, there's a prayer to the effect of that. Uh, like a slug melts away as it moves along. It's talking about a snail leaving its shell and making this tiny trail as it seems to kind of just disappear. The sixth one is a sad picture of a stillborn child that never, you know, sees the light of day. And then it's this move of these metaphors into the category of humanity. And then the seventh one is another picture of 
humanity as the wind sweeps away the thorns that are intended to go up in flames, the flames of the pots of people that are trying to cook and it ends up leaving them hungry and unsatisfied. And so these are all different curses that are snapshots of the life of Israel or the world of Israel. And so the sevenfold curse might imply that it will be effective because seven was the number of completion in in that world. And so what we see is not necessarily, yes, it's called a curse psalm, a imprecatory psalm. It's not necessarily curses, but it is prayers against the evil people that are that are pursuing him. And I'll tell you, that I think is a connection to the ancient Near Eastern world that we can maybe even identify with. There are things and curses of our world that we are very easily able to recognize, you know, even just things like, okay, somebody having a lot of money, praying that they lose it all, or praying that the truth is found out when somebody's being dishonest, or when somebody has built their platform on lies, praying that the truth comes out. It's, it's, call the curse, but it's not necessarily like cursing that you would think of like in magic or anything like that. It's essentially just prayers for justice to be done. The main difference is that these imprecatory psalms, these cursed psalms are leaving vengeance to God. It's not like David is saying he's going and he's going to do all these things, but he is, he is praying, God, would you intervene? Would you do these things? And he, but he is leaving vengeance to God. And so even with one of the most harsh harsh verses in the psalm where it says, is it verse 10, the righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they bathe their feet in the bath of the wicked. Notice that uh, that sounds harsh, but if the righteous are not doing anything in this situation, they are standing and they are experiencing the tragedy that becomes the, the people that are wicked that don't turn towards God, but they're not aggressively the ones going after them. They are the recipients of that situation. And then of course he wraps it up with verse 11. He says, then men will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there's a God who judges the earth. He's talking about this final judgment. Uh, Eventually all evil will be extinguished and there will be a judgment by God who judges the earth. And not only is God rewarding the righteous, but he's judging the wicked. And and that's pointing forward to what's eventually going to happen. So you kind of have to look at this on a parallel track. On one hand, you have David, the psalmist, who is personally under attack by his enemies. But then you also have this long view of human history, the wickedness that plagues Christians, that plagues humanity, and the fact that God is eventually going to deal with that wickedness and that evil. So when he's talking about wickedness, he's not just talking about wickedness of his generation. He's talking about the wickedness of our generation and the wickedness of the generations to come. And I think there's a hope there. There's a hope to know that eventually God is going to deal with it. Now, sometimes it gets dealt with now, but eventually God is going to deal with it. And what we see is eventually with the new heaven and the new earth, God judging and dealing with all of humanity. This, this psalm is definitely heavy. It's, it's heavy because there's this graphic picture that is a picture of vengeance. And I think it's important for us to study, though, where we understand that there is a graveness to evil and there's an urgency 
to turn back from evil ways and to turn back and and turn towards righteousness because there's an element of God's character. Yes, we serve a God that is loving and draws us in and pursues us, but he is a just God. God is a just God and he will deal with the evil that's in this world. And so I don't, while I always want to communicate that we have a God who pursues us and longs for us to be in relationship with him, I don't want to neglect the fact that God is a just God and he will deal with evil and wickedness because he is a God of justice. And I think for me, that's a place of hope when I see things in the world or even in my own life, people I know of things that are happening where there's an injustice done. I sometimes feel powerless against that because I am a justice warrior. It's why I work in orphan care. It's why I do evangelism. It's it's part of the reason that I serve in the capacities I serve in because I want to speak for those that have had injustices done to them. And yet there's so much work to do. There's so much more than I could ever even accomplish in a lifetime even if we had all the money in the world, because there's this undercurrent of injustice throughout humanity. But the hope there is that we see a God or we serve a God that sees it and he's going to deal with it. I I think that is a way to look forward or look through some of the things that we experience and we don't understand why or why something isn't being done. It will eventually be dealt with. And, And I think that's a hope that we can kind of rest on. So given that insight, I'm going to go back to verse one. Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge uprightly among men? No, in your heart, you devise injustice and your hands meet out violence on the earth. Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward and speak lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows be blunted. Like a slug melting away as it moves along. Like a silborn child, may they not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether they be green or dry, the wicked will be swept away. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then men will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there's a God who judges the earth. God, as hard as it is as it is to read these words sometimes, we can take hope and comfort in knowing that you are a God that sees injustices that are done to us and that are done to, to innocent and to the righteous around the world. Lord God, thank you for the fact that you are a just God and that you will seek justice on our behalf. Lord, even in the midst of being pursued by our enemies, like David, help us to remember that you will not let some of these things go, even if we are forced to deal with them in this lifetime. And that is such a hard place to be, that tension of wanting justice, but also living in this season where we are waiting for you to deal with the evil in this world. Lord, help us to have hope in you. Help us to continue to pursue righteousness and help us to leave vengeance to you. That can be so hard, Lord God, when we were when we are facing something that is bigger than ourselves that feels so hard or so wrong or we even just see things on the news that just feel so unjust. God, help us to rest in knowing that that you will be the one to deal out vengeance. Lord, help us to just settle into that place as we 
maybe struggle through some of those concepts. God, reveal yourself to us through those situations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about, that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.